In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Christ today, in this account of meeting the woman at the well, St. Fotini, the Samaritan woman, teaches us about evangelism. He teaches us a way to deepen someone's experience of his divine self. And he guides us through that, through this passage that is the longest dialogue that Christ has with anyone contained in the Gospels. So let's focus in on that dialogue and find out what it is that Christ is teaching us as he comes to this woman that's not of his people, that he has brought himself there to speak with her. Christ shows us that it is a condensation of, his, of the divine to the human level. He goes to where we are, and there he begins. There he begins to reveal himself so that we may see him. It is a pressing into the familiar, using the familiar, and beyond that, one step to the next, going beyond the material that's closed off and dead, to the life of the Spirit that reveals Christ himself in all things. He guides from the mundane, the monotonous, and the secret life to revelation. Today we have seen water and food used to reveal God. Christ uses these especially to reveal his will. And what is his will? God wills that all might be saved. So he travels all day and sits at the side of this well in the scorching heat waiting for Fotini to arrive. He desires to get there at that time when the sun is beating down at the sixth hour to where she will fill her jar from the Jacob's well and will be alone, away from all the other Sicarian women. And Christ begins to dialogue with her. And through this dialogue, we learn of a method that he is teaching to bring out and bring in all the nations to Christ. He is revealing how we can evangelize and make disciples. So what are these things? There's an intrigue, a symbol that he uses, an order which he reveals, and an identification which is shown. So what is that intrigue? Well, first, he arrives at the well, and there's a Jew and a Samaritan together. These two almost never meet. And when they do, there's animosity, for the Jews consider the Samaritans borderline pagans and idol worshipers. And it is a man who is alone with a woman. So here we have an intrigue. The interest is sparked. And we have also Christ giving a hint of who he really is, though she has not yet the ears to hear it. For he tells her, you do not know the gift of God and who it is that is talking to you. But she continues to speak about a well and about water and why aren't you, why are you asking me, why are you dealing with me? But Christ has her interest and he begins to guide her. And he does this chiefly through the symbol of water, a symbol of the everyday that we all need. If we don't drink it every day, then we begin, our bodies begin to fail. 
And this is presented. And he says, but I have living water, for which if you drink of this, you will never thirst again. And using that intrigue, the Samaritan woman wonders what it is that Christ is talking about. For this is Jacob's well, a well that has flowed abundantly for, since the forefather. For years and years and years and years, generations and generations. How could any well be greater than this? One that was blessed and that, we, that has fed this village for so much time. How is this water different? How is this living water different? So Christ is showing to learn and look past simply the water, but to give hints of what it is to see him. It is not this water that is in Jacob's well, but a greater water, a living water. And so she begins to desire this water. She doesn't quite know what it is that Christ is speaking of, but the desire is born in her to have it. To drink from a fountain that is greater than Jacob's well. And as soon as she makes this realization, Christ does a funny thing. He begins to speak about something else that doesn't seem to have anything to do with the previous dialogue. And he simply gives a command. Go get your husband. And here we begin to see that he is pointing toward an ordering of the kingdom. One that he again hints at through the familiar, a husband and a wife. But she immediately declares, I do not have a husband. And he reveals some more of himself, his ability to see into the depths of her heart and that he knows her life. And he tells her, you have spoke truly, for you have had five husbands. So we know, and he knows that she has not participated in this order that Christ has given through the generations, to be one husband and one wife. And it's not a normal life nor a normal relationship with a husband that she has had. And again, she's prompted to know more. This must be a prophet, for he knows my life. And she begins to test that. She tests the divinity for the ring of truth in it and for the order that he might be speaking of. And she begins to connect... She goes beyond this herself, beyond simply the everyday of married life and family life, and begins to speak of worship. And she points out that your people and my people, we don't worship in the same way or in the same place. And she goes from the lower to the higher. And Christ sees her readiness to make this step, to begin to see beyond what is right in front of her, and to begin to see the kingdom though she can't quite see it yet, but he knows her readiness. As she goes into this problem of worshiping properly and right conduct and the relation to God, Christ, seeing that readiness, pushes again into the next step. It's a simple matter. It's not a simple matter of multiple marriages or the location of God's temple and worship. And he shows her what is eternally true and correct about worship the revelation is beginning. He tells her that she does not have a head. Yes, you do not have one husband, but you have, se- you have had several, and currently you do not have one. Nor do the Jews or the Samaritans worship the Lord of all in the fullness of truth. For he begins to reveal that in 
time, even those who worship here will not be worshiping in spirit and in truth. For that is the definition of true worship, to be in the spirit and in truth. And St. Fotini journeys with him through this step by step. And she sees what she immediately tells, sees that, okay, so you must be speaking of when the Messiah comes. For I know that when the Messiah comes, he will show us what the proper way is. He will show us what is there. Again, she still hasn't quite made it into that seeing of what in the spirit and truth and who she's talking to. But God has guided her and pulled and tugged her along through this dialogue. And as soon as she makes that identification, this Messiah, Christ has simple words. I am he. And from that moment, she drops the jar and she runs back to her village. And then the disciples show up. What is it that she, is this realization, this shock that she has as God has guided and pulled her along and showed her and then revealed his identity, that I am this Messiah and I have just told you what will happen. So St. Fotini drops her jar. When the fathers look at this, they see that Fotini dropping her jar is the dropping of all of the cares that she had carried with her to that well. She doesn't go at the normal time in the morning to bring her family water and to begin to prepare the day. She waits till all the other women have done this. And she goes in the heat of the day. For she's carried shame, she's carried um, guilt over her life. And she doesn't want to be a part of those who are constantly bringing it up. So she comes at the sixth hour to, to accomplish this goal. A care of the world. And that she has cared and knows the scriptures. She's able to know that the Messiah is the one who will reveal to all. All of these cares and this watching, she drops. Because Christ has revealed himself and is in front of her this day. The Messiah has come. I am he, he says. So she drops her jar, drops all of her earthly cares, and runs back to the village and begins proclaiming that I have met a man who has told me everything that I have done. But that's not contained in the simple words of the gospel. That is something that has spoken to the depths of Fotini's heart, that she has seen God, and now she knows that there is one who knows everything about her intimately better than anyone else could. And the disciples show up. And they, too, are confused. They see that intrigue. Why has he been talking to a woman? Why is he talking about meat that we've just gone in and tried to go get, in, have gone and received from Sikar? We've purchased and we've come back to feed him. Why is he talking about now not needing to eat? Why is he talking about to this woman at the well? Why has she just run off? So the intrigue is there. And Christ begins to guide them too, telling them that I have meat of which you do not know. And that this meat is to do the will of God. And as we've said, is that all may be saved. That all may be saved. So the disciples don't quite know. They don't quite get to that same identification that St. Fultini does at this time. They can't get to the depths of the spiritual meaning just yet. And Christ looks up and he sees that the fields are white for harvest. What is this? He turns to the disciples and he sees that the Samaritans have come. They have heard the word of St. Fotini and they've rushed to meet him. They want to meet this one who knows them intimately, that has 
knows St. Fotini and has a, a, carried her to be able to drop all of her earthly cares. So God is teaching us that the fields are white for harvest now. He has worked invisibly in the hearts of many. People have done this work. They have gone and they have revealed Christ. They have pulled and tugged along. And the fields are white for harvest here, now in Santa Barbara, brothers and sisters. The fields are white for harvest. There are those who just come into the church. We see this in our churches throughout the states. They have this hunger and they want to come and see as St. Fotini has asked them to come and see and meet him. Judge for yourself whether this is the Messiah who will save you. And those fields are white for harvest. And we are called like the disciples. Though we may not know what it is, the stranger, the unfamiliar, the Samaritan to us, God has called us to be prepared and to reap that harvest. Though we may not have been the ones that sowed those seeds. And other, we join in that work may have sowed, but we join in that work and we are the reapers. So dear ones, be prepared as people come in this day. As people come in over these months and years that come as they journey and seek, then we may be prepared to be like Christ and to journey and pull and be with them. To give them the intrigue, to give them Christ in these little bits and as they journey along and like, well, what about this thing? What about that? And as we go along, we can give them Christ in little bits, give them the living water, give them the meat of Christ to do the will of God and to love them. The harvest comes and must be brought in. It is God's will that we take them in and receive them. For as we began with the beatitude, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. It ends with, they will be satisfied. This is not an if statement, it is a declaration that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, God will reveal himself to them. And we know that he is here in this church, so he will bring them here. He will bring them the taste of his very body and blood in bread and in wine and in the living water that he provides. For where we long for him in all things, we will too be satisfied and count them as our brothers and sisters and be one and worship in spirit and in truth with them at all times and into the kingdom to come.